So it's seven metres out. Australia needs to try to win the game. Cobain takes the line out. Australia trying to drive ahead. Regan again. And Larkham. Kefu. Here we are back with another episode of the Running Rugby Podcast and a special one. We're just focusing on Bledisloe 3. It's this weekend, a Father's Day special over there at Perth, Optus Stadium. We've had a good history in Perth starting two years back with one of the biggest um, Wallabies victories over the All Blacks in recent memory. And we've got some teams to talk about. I'm joined by Toby and Leo. And boys, what was your first uh, thought on looking at this Wallabies team that Dave Rennie's named today? Is it is it fair to say, like, happy but confused? Like, happy because I think given that guys like, we'll put up front, Hunter, Paisami, Lucan, Sakaloto, um, they are out because they are attending their families. Like, they've had their first child, I think. So they've both been um, sort of given leave to be with their families at this time. And so you wonder who they're going to replace um, Paisami with and you know the nightmares send me pictures of Tamua but to see Karevi in there I think you would only pick him if he's fit and he's ready and he's raring to go that makes me really excited and really happy with that but then you look at some of the other selections and like where have these guys come from they're not in the, in the two teams so far they've been pulled out of nowhere out of the extended squad and even out of beyond the extended squad um, I think it's it's an odd message I'd I, bit uncomfortable uh, with with that as a strategy when these guys haven't really been involved. What are we treating this game as? Is it not as valuable as the previous two games? Uh, and the other guys who've been brought into the squad late getting more of an opportunity than guys who've put in over, over a month now and a lot of travel. I, I think I see things a little bit differently. Like Falau Fang, I've always rated as a player but I, I do find the selection a little bit strange at this point in time. It just must signal that Rennie wants to build depth. He hasn't been happy with everyone who's contributed at that hooker position. There's been a fair bit of rotation in and out. Lachlan Lonigan again, look, he had his moments when he's got some game time, um, but I'm, I think he's still a couple of years off actually being you know, a full-time hooker at that level, at the international level. Overall, the team I'm relatively happy with. Um, I wouldn't have Swinton in there. I've made that known in other podcasts. I still think Nicerani, Harry Wilson, guys should be making up that back row mix. Happy with Valentini and Hooper, obviously. But in terms of shifting Valentini around, I know he can be more, more of a ball carrier at number eight. But I think Nicerani and, and um, Wilson are the premier number eights for the Wallabies and they should be given game time. Overall, look, happy to see the end of Tamua for now. Um, Backline's looking relatively solid with the addition of Karevi, but there are some question marks in terms of combinations and guys that haven't been playing in terms of international game time, even since the France series. So there's gonna be some question marks over how guys will start in this game. 
So just quickly running through the team, Slipper Fyinga, Alalatoa, so unchanged props with Fyinga coming into the front row, Swain and Phillip unchanged there, Swinton Hooper, Valentini unchanged back row, and then the back line, Tate and Noah unchanged halves, Korobidi, Kellaway and Banks at the back three unchanged with the only change Karevi and Ikitao in the centres. I was disappointed to see Falao Fyinga named, not because I don't like him, but because someone like Felite Kaitu, who's been in the squad multiple times, has yet to get his chance. I thought this was the ultimate opportunity um, for him, maybe not even to start, but off the bench on his home track in Perth. I thought that was the opportune moment to give that guy a start. We've seen him play really well in Super Rugby. He's a big body. He's not going to get physically dominated by the All Blacks or the Kiwis in that forward pack. Um, So... I have my doubts over whether Lonigan will be able to do the same thing. But Angus Bell on the bench is good to see. Um, Rodder coming back, I think, is a good sign. I think we do need to just move past the controversy of last year with him because he's obviously got talent. We saw that at the Reds, and he's part of this Wallabies team for the future. Um, do we think that this Bledisloe sort of loses a little bit of its luster. Once again, it's a bit of a dead rubber. I mean, it's part of the rugby championship, but we've seen this seems to be where Australia has its most success in Bledisloe in recent years. I was, yeah, I was going to try and bring this up as well. It's like, objectively, how do you treat this game? You can't win the series. It's part of the rugby championship. So it's still important. It's not a dead rubber, meaningless, nothing. Um, I agree absolutely with your point about Kai too. If if you were going to give Lachlan Lonigan another game, sure, I'm not against that. But your opportunity to give Kai too a game on his home track, I think, is more meaningful. And assuming he's been fronting up in in the um, in the training camps, in the in the in the squad, um, all the work they've done, if, if as long as he hasn't been slacking off and really isn't deserving, it's the appropriate. Uh, reward I guess in a game which you want to win but at this point you're probably looking at it and saying look it's it's going to be a tough it's going to be a tough game we need to keep the all blacks in check um why wouldn't you give a guy a run on or it's not a run on sorry a, a run on his home track um given that Lonigan kind of didn't really uh impress that much and just looked a bit undersized looked a bit underweight it's very dynamic but just can't necessarily muscle up with the best yet. So um, I, I guess you treat, I, I think you treat this game as an important game where you don't want to compromise everything. You don't want to go with a lot of change, but it's your opportunity to give a few people a run who, you know, maybe there's some significance. Maybe you're bringing someone back in um, just to just to change your, your balance of back row a bit, uh, go a bit more heavy ball running or go a bit more, um, fit and fit and ranging and supporting the backs. Um, and he, you could do that and not compromise the team entirely. And then just make sure that you're giving people, uh, I suppose, some match fitness going into the rest of the series where you're going to look to knock over on home soil now with the way the rugby championship structured. You're going to look to knock over the Springboks and the Argentinians if you can. Um, that's like the, maybe this game is a bit more prep than it is all out contest. There was early sort of talk and mentions about potentially having Quaid being reintroduced to the 23 for this game. Are you disappointed to see that? Do you think that was ever really 
um, a real possibility. Smoke and mirrors. I, I don't think they were really going to pick Quaid. I don't know. I, I actually think that he might have been more in the mix than you realise. Um, I think the whole press conference thing with him turning up this week next to Rodder um, was smoke and mirrors totally. But I think he was definitely in pretty, like, I think he was in contention. If, if Hodge is the backup 10 on the bench, preferred to Tamura at the moment, I think Quaid probably would have been strongly in the mix. But you're opening doors to, to old wounds, I think, against the All Blacks, which could work in your favour if you disrupt them a little bit in terms of their mentality, if they get a bit overly aggressive if he comes on. I think we're just taking a step back, though. If we're looking towards the future, Noah is there. I think like Quaid would have offered a lot in terms of mentoring during the, the camp, and um, I think that'll continue. But it maybe sends a wrong message having Quaid on the bench there who's just strolled in after playing a significant amount of time in Japan. He hasn't played for the Wallabies in, what, four years or something. Um, what's the point of selecting him, really? Are we just... Forgoing. You're wasting a test so, cap, right? So like yeah, there's other people you experience. want to develop. You want to expose the All Blacks and you exactly don't achieve right. that bringing Quaid in. And I don't think he really gives you more of a chance to win the game, like unless he pulls off miracles and anyone can do that. But maybe Hodge is a bit more of a conservative pick where it's like, well, he's also probably not going to pull off miracles unless it's with the boot. Yeah, I, I totally agree. But I think it's a tribute to Quaid. He's kept himself in peak physical condition. He trains you know, regardless of whether he's on or off season. Um, I don't think he's necessarily that close to retirement, but internationally, look, he's getting on in age. He's not going to be a person we're going to be selecting for the 2023 World Cup. So I do think it's probably game time wasted by having him there. So you don't foresee him being rewarded for his contribution potentially with like a spot versus an if, Argentina later in the look, um, month we, or next month? Or? If, if we go ahead and lose this game to, on Sunday and then we lose to the box and then we're just kind of chasing our tails a little bit against the Pumas, maybe we put a more exper- experimental team out there, give Noah a break and maybe you do see Quaid off the bench or something at some point in, in a big game. If they haven't selected him for this, then I don't see him being when used. They do. I can't see them selecting purposes. him unless they actually think there's some chance, based on what they've seen of him, that he's going to contribute through to the 2023 World Cup. Like that, it's just a waste. Like you get so few opportunities to expose players to the intensity of international rugby if he's not in your plans, and and you'd have to know from what you've seen at training. He can be he can be valuable in many ways, but if he's not in your plans as a player on the field, then why why would you like? It's not worth it for the spectacle for trying to put a few more bums in seats up in Queensland. I don't think I'd put like him in. I'd put him in for that. Yeah, but it's such a burn of a, like even a bench spot. Like you could you could you'd be better off grabbing Will Harrison out of nowhere and giving him a run because at least he's someone who needs some of that exposure, needs to get a feel for the intensity of international rugby. Like, like Quaid, there's nothing against Quaid. Like, he's up to it. He's up to it. But if he's not in your plans for the long term, it's it feels like saying you'd only do if you were literally out of options. If everyone got injured, Jock's still unfit, Tamua's unfit. Um, yeah, what's going Lula on with Cio Jock? Gets injured. You start with fit? Hodge. No, he's, yeah, was, he's a week away. I was going to ask you that. 
He's a week away. I don't it's think been he's a week away for how team. many weeks? Yeah, but he, I, I believe I'm not sure he's over in WA. I think he's still maybe no, in I Queensland. Don't think, I think he's staying in Queensland. And they're waiting for time. them to come back to Gold Coast and and Suncorp. Um, look, that's difficult as well if no one plays well in this game. But we all think he's going to be Noah? the guy. If we get a win, Noah's going to keep his place. If we no, lose no, and no. Noah plays well, I think it's still hard to displace him unless Jock is training the house down. I don't think you displace Noah, but I think you can do a lot better than Hodge as your inside back. Oh, reserve. yeah. Look, Hodge is makeshift and he's good defensively. He's solid. He's not going to make too many mistakes, but he's not going to win you games. And that's what we need. We need playmakers. Yeah. Hodge is not a playmaker. I, yeah. I'd still prefer to, if I was going to see Hodge on the field, I'd prefer to see him a bit of um, in a fullback role, but I he's, don't know if he's ever going to really get that chance. Again, exactly right. He's too slow. He's too slow to be a full time winger. He's not a full time 10. I'm not convinced of him in the centers either. Um, I think he's been really so, yeah, disadvantaged best... through being utility backed a little bit around and being on a team with Dane Hale at Petty. Um, yep. where he hasn't been able to excel at fullback. I think if he'd been the sole fullback for the Rebels for the last four years, he would yep. be probably supplanting Banks at the moment as our fullback and our goal kicker. And it's it's a similar situation that we saw with Adam Ashley Cooper, but Adam Ashley Cooper probably as a player is a little more elite than Hodgie. Hodgie will get opportunities now it's, for a couple of years. Yeah. DHP, is, DHP is, is going to Japan. So it's good yeah. to see going forward. Banks, again, will need to just keep up in his game. And we see he can score tries, but he doesn't nail an 80-minute performance most of the time for all these. Which he is doesn't feel like a threat injecting all the time. That's what he needs to be Yeah, Like you mentioned Adam Ashley Cooper, and I forget how many different positions he played and excelled at for the Wallabies. And you watch like some of the video highlights that get put back up and he's suddenly at fullback and suddenly he's at playing wing or suddenly he's at 13 and he's just purely just breaking tackles not through pure brutality but just slight changes in momentum movement and he's just able to get over the line so much of the time so he's such he would a be our best fan of... our best utility ever for the wallabies in the back line 100 over a, a decade more than yeah. a decade you'd probably put yeah i guess someone that's actually can play multiple positions like that Potentially, yeah. Particularly with 13, like him coming in at 13 and being end up being first yeah. choice. Yeah. He, he's just so flexible. And we haven't, Hodge is kind of trying to be that guy, but I think it's doing more harm. Well, if James good. O'Connor had stayed in Australian rugby, he may have ended up being that guy with his ability to change places like he has, but yeah, hasn't had the consistencies yet. Looking at this All Blacks team, um, we once again are missing some key players awaiting birth of children with Whitelock not being there, Aaron Smith not being there, Richie Moana. We get the supplantation of the Barretts coming in, Scott Barrett, Bowden Barrett and Geordie Barrett all starting in this one. Um, once again, the props, I think, are an area we can target with George Bauer and Nepo Laulala um, being the starting props there. Cody Taylor, obviously elite. Rutalik and Barrett in the row um, is intimidating. Ioani Papali in Sevilla. Sevilla getting to captain the All Blacks for the first time here. There's been a lot in the press about his style and his lead from the front attitude for this game and what he's going to bring. Um, mouth guard? Is he going to bring a mouth guard? No, he's not going to bring that much to the chagrin of New Zealand rugby, but it's it's not part of world rugby law, just New Zealand rugby. 
So even though he's sending the wrong message to some of the kids over here playing the game, I don't think he's going to change it at the moment. Um, Weber and Barrett in the halves, Avili, Leonard Brown, probably the strongest centres that they'll put on show. Ioani and Will Jordan, genuine try scorers out wide. Um, where, where do we potentially have an advantage over this team, do you think? And where do we need to press um, to make, make mistakes happen? Because that's the only way we're, we're getting on top of these teams, it seems. Then we definitely have opportunity in the front row. I'm less confident because they haven't picked Taniella to start. And really, without Taniella starting, I don't feel like we have like an X factor, a, a real dominance in that in that front row. So that's a little bit disappointing, but we should definitely be pressing there. We've got an all Brumbies front row. These guys have played together a lot. They know how to scrummage strongly. Um, we've got some bulk in behind them. Um, we should definitely be contesting in the scrums. The line out, again, I don't think Darcy and Phillip do a bad job, but you can't really, I don't think you can compete with the the Retallic, Barrett, and, and previously White Lock. They're, they're just so elite, those locks. They, they really run that show really tight. And they actually do a very good job of um, sort of like low, low contact contesting against ours as well. So we need to be really, really careful. Um, hopefully, falalfanger has got his throwing hands on um, because that's just always a risk against these locks. Uh, and then the other way I'd go, like, to me, this, I, I like this halves, sorry, this um, centres pairing because I think Havili and Leonard Brown present a very low, low error rate um, combination. And with the way that Barrett injects himself for sort of a second touch in phases to unlock guys like Will Jordan, Rico Ioani and Jordy, it's so dangerous. Um, I'm not sure the best way to, to try and break that either. Like, do you try and press on Barrett? He's very fast. He can slide. I don't, I don't think he's quite as elite as Moanga. Like, Moanga just seems to change his line, drift out and and just flank people and he just, he just gets away. But I don't think Barrett's maybe quite the same, but, but he's still definitely a threat. So we can't just line him up and try and rough him up. Um, and then Havili and Leonard Brown are just just solid. They make good decisions. They've both got something in the boot. Um, and Will Jordan and Ioani are fast. They can get down those edges and, and chase kicks. So um, I think I, I don't think I have where I'd usually say, you know, let's press on this guy. I think this guy's a weakness. I think we can do this. I feel like we've got to be very careful early and try and cover all bases. You maybe give up a bit of ground to individual players because you're not over committing to to trying to, to pressure one individual uh, because the risk is you try and press on these inside backs and they manage to release the ball out, out wide. And as much as I, I like our wingers and fullback, I, I think there's just so many threats out wide from New Zealand. We're, we're going to be up against it. Yeah, look, I, I can't disagree with much of that. I think the props are still glaring for me in terms of all black standard. I think that's something we can really get destructive with, particularly, look, I don't want to see Taniela come on too late. I think he needs some game time. So hopefully he gets in the game early in the second half and can really disrupt this, this all-black scrum. Back row, again, I think it's still the fact is we can match up well against them. I'm not over the moon with Papa Lee and how he's been performing. Sevilla's always strong. And Yuani's one of those guys where you can get 
one of the best games you've, you, you've ever seen from yeah. uh, a number six, or he can go missing and, and yeah. he can be, he can be really prone. misfiring. So I think that's an area where we can be disruptive. Lachlan Swinton, if he can bring the physicality and aggression, we know he's there. He for. had a good game last time. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he, he did he nothing wrong. well with Valentini. No silly Work errors. Work rate's good. Yeah. He yeah, wasn't you know. a discipline issue, which is my no. main knock on him, is that he can be a discipline problem, and he didn't do that. He's he's cognizant of that now, and he, he's been asked about it multiple times in interviews, and he's kind Rennie's, of like, come on, guys. The, the red card was he's got him out of detention ago. a couple of times, and he knows he's on but thin he, ice. He also knows, he he thinks that he's improved and changed areas of his game, whether that's the case or not. I think he believes it, which is important. Um, and, yeah, I, I honestly think the back line is going to be a huge challenge for us. If Bowden Barrett plays to his potential, how he was pre-Japan, even pre the Blues switch, I think he hasn't been the quite the player that we knew since maybe even the 2019 World Cup, since before then. But he has the potential to explode and he's got a lot to prove, which worries me. That's the thing. He is embracing this opportunity, obviously. Um, he's in a very unfamiliar position that he is second, second string now. That's clear. And his brother's playing fullback. So it's um, Mackenzie or Barrett, Geordie at the back. I don't think he's going to break into that position. Yeah. His only choice is to outplay Richie Mullinger, and I think he That's might right. try to do that in this game. And, and you, you just can't afford to underestimate him, right? Because even though he's second string, even though he's had a less intense season in Japan, you would think, oh, maybe we can target him, maybe we can pressure him. But he's a good enough player, even like it might work early, Maybe that's maybe that's the approach that you you go hard at him early, but if he looks like he settles in, you back off because it's just not going to be worth pressing hard on him, having him slip around and unleash someone through the gap that's been left. Um, we'd be better off making sure our combination ten to twelve is really slick and just get Karevi running some good lines and looking for offloads. I'd I'd really like to push hard at that that nine ten twelve combination is a new combination for the All Blacks. I don't know when these guys would have ever played those three together, Havillian Barrett particularly. So I think this this is a time that you can put a bit of extra pressure. I think this is a benefit of having someone like Karebi who's much more physical than, say, Tamua, but more experienced than Paisami. So he can sort of tell when to press a bit more, hopefully put Havili under different pressures because he hasn't... And knows Barrett well. Knows Barrett well because he's been playing outside Barrett. So he should be able to read Barrett potentially yeah and Havili has like we've been saying how good he's done making the transition to 12 in super rugby internationally he's not really had very much competition up against him they've played Tonga and Fiji and then they've played brand new center pairings every game versus Australia so I feel like it's still a time where maybe there is a part that we can show that maybe he's not quite um a world-class 12 as yet so hopefully we can maybe make draw a mistake out there. If you can press him enough that he gets shaky, and I think I said this last game, you target him, you try and you try and unsettle him, you make him feel like he's not comfortable in the game. Maybe he starts making more overs. Maybe maybe he starts kicking where he maybe shouldn't. It turns a bit of possession over. Their options should that occur 
aren't great because they're playing McKenzie and George Bridge off the bench, which is much more of a, you know, you got your 10 coverage and I guess Geordie's sort of a 10 coverage, but McKenzie can come into 10. George Bridge is your in the backs rotation. To bring someone into the centres, you basically, you have to slide Rico in. Yeah. Um, and, and put LB in 12, yeah. which, which is probably fine. But if they have to use their reserves in that way, I don't think that's what they want. Like that's they'd be doing that. The Wallabies if we that's right. If we that, force like... that, if it's not an injury to Havili and they have to do that because he's a bit of a weak link, Still. then that's a bit of a mental win, right? You, you've just pressured them into, okay, well, we can do this, but geez, we really didn't expect to have to use our reserve in this way. Um, so yeah, we, we can try. And, and you're right. Just, that, that combination is probably all new. Uh, I think they're all really talented players. I think Havili being a sort of a semi 10 in his own right helps link to, to what Bowden will be doing. Um, I'm sure he's been around Bowden a little bit in the past, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just hard. Like you just can't take any of these guys for granted. I think you've just got to be very um, prepared to change your tactics based on what comes up in the first 10 minutes. If what you're doing isn't working, we want to have a plan B and a plan C. We can't just press plan A harder. Cause I feel like that's where it becomes, you get unstuck and, and they figure us out and we lose the game. I think importantly, the the bench for the All Blacks from a forwards perspective, I think that's somewhere we we can really dominate in the last twenty to thirty minutes. If you know, once those reserves start coming on, you know, Angus Bell, Daniela Tupo, um, even Isaac Rodder, I think will be he'll have a significant impact. And Pete Summer's sneaky; he's pretty sneaky good. Sneaky Pete, who knows what kind of impact he can bring. I think if you line that up with the All Blacks forwards on the bench, we can get the better of them in that late yeah, period of absolutely. the second half. Back's not so sure. I think there's a lot of quality there coming off the bench for the ABs. I would have started TJ Perinara. That combination with Bowden, I think, is yeah, very, very well. It's well, in, well instilled. They've got so much experience with each other. Um, Brad Weber, I'm not a huge fan, but he'll do the job for them. Um, but yeah, I think I think they're still trying out. to punish TJ for um, pretending he was going. Yeah, to it feels league. like it. It feels like it. Um, that guy's just. I've always rated TJ. I think his physical presence, even on the field, as a number nine, he brings so much to the game. Um, and yeah, Brad Webber, I think he's been loyal to the All Blacks and yeah. he's getting his run on um, against the Wallabies, which is a rarity for him. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think come late the second half, there is really a, you know, as long as the scoreline isn't too different between the two teams, I think the Wallabies can really put it into sixth gear and um, take advantage of, of the ABs in the last 15. So we now have five more games for the Wallabies in Australia this year. Whether we end up on a spring tour, I think it is likely we do, but... What is an acceptable in your head win ratio for for Rennie not to have the questions starting to float about his suitability for this job? So right now we're sitting at two wins, three losses out of five games, yeah? Yeah, that's our year. Um, which is not great. Um, but we got used to that through Michael Checker's last couple of years where we weren't winning more than 50% of games. So we've become comfortable with that sort of 50-50 ratio, which I don't think we should be. 
I think you can look, the All Blacks are one thing. If we lose this game, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't think it counts for that much in terms of Rennie's future. It's when we get to teams like the Springboks where, you know, we'd like to take, I think, at least one game off them. And I think we need to take two games off the Pumas. So you end with what? That's three wins, that? two losses. So you end up with five wins, six five losses. losses. No, I think it's six losses, isn't it? So we're at two and three, three at the moment. Oh, sorry, five losses, five wins, five losses. You're right. So you're aiming to try and get to 550. And I'm only happy with that percentage because we play the All Blacks three times. Three times. Which yeah. I think is a massive consideration that people don't give the Wallabies enough credit for, that we take more games off the All Blacks than most. And, yeah, we get the most opportunities, but it is very difficult. But our um, percentage to beat them is still higher than every other country, which has come out more yeah. recently. They've actually looked at it. Is that, I don't know, historically with South Africa, but it would be close. Um, yeah. Again, Rennie, I think we need to persevere with. It's clear he's a good coach. He's, Is it clear? I, th- I think it's pretty what clear. What makes it clear? Just the way he talks and approaches it? Or like, because to be honest, I think we've asked a lot of questions about his selections in the last, or in this year. Yeah, but if you look back on, I think Cheke had a lot more loyalty to players. What I like about Dave Rennie is that he holds players accountable regardless of their stature in the team. So someone like Tamua, he'll give a fair amount of chances to give him what he likes about him with his leadership. But you see, he's not there anymore because of the errors that he's made over a couple of games. So he's willing to punish players. Tom Wright, out of the team, makes a mistake. Nicerani, maybe his work rate isn't good enough, out of the team. So players know that they don't have a whole lot of room for error which I think if you want to get to an elite status in world rugby, you need to have that mentality. So that, that's something I really like about Dave Rennie, that he holds players accountable in any game that you play. Um, but he's also very fair. Like he will give you a second chance if you show your, you know, if you show you're really training hard and, and um, doing all the right things off the park as well. But he, I think tactically he's been a lot better than Checker. He has more kind of, I think his analysis of games is better. He makes adjustments better than Checker did. Um, in terms of firepower and depth, I think we're lacking at the moment. Got a very young team still. So I think to judge him on the performances of the last two years is pretty hard because there's been a big turnover of players. We're really looking to peak in 2023. And that might be to the detriment of our campaigns for the Bledisloes this year, next year. But I think come 2023 with these players that are 21, 22 years old, they're going to be in their mid-20s. They're going to have 30 caps. And I think we're going to be looking a lot better. So I think it's it's definitely a long-term play to keep him in. Um, but I think he deserves, honestly, to stay on until the end of 2023. Yeah, I think a 50% win rate would be good enough. If If I was trying to plan for the future you don't just you don't just fall into the luck of a world number one number two team right you you build that and you've really got to look at where you're coming off as a base we're currently what sixth in the world i think maybe seventh yeah no six because argentina dropped back below us after their last lose yeah and it's it's not you're not going to get there in one season you're not going to get there in two necessarily years like like international seasons it is really a cycle that you climb back up 
And even if we don't get into the top three or the, maybe even the top two in 20, by 2023, obviously the journey's not over. Like you've got to cement some foundation. And I think you, unless, unless you've done it really, really gradually over a lot of years, like I think your, your recovery to what we used to be is at least a four-year process. So, so far, I think we like that Rennie is picking a, a blend of young and experienced campaigners. I think we're happy that he's, you know, look at Tate McDermott. Tate McDermott is not an internationally experienced half, and yet he's now winning this job even with Nick White being healthy. And Dave Rennie is looking at guys like that and saying, they bring something that's different. We need to get as many minutes into these guys while keeping them fit and healthy as we can because those are going to be our, our leaders and our really exceptional players in two years' time, in six years' time. Um, I think I think if, they, if they're happy with Rennie, he's not a... He's, he's not headline grabbing. Like he's not out there like Checker doing the odd press conference, saying the odd thing that's causing a bit of controversy. He's not dragging attention um, onto himself and, and making the media relations side hard. He's just grafting. And if you can get 50% in these rebuild years, I think they should be very happy. And to be honest, I'd take less than that if I thought I was seeing opportunities and, and development from the young players who are going to be our future when they are 26, 27, 28. Yeah, hard to argue with that points from both you boys. Um, final final thoughts before this game on Sunday, before we wrap things up? If you're in Perth and you have the freedom to go to this game, get out there because uh, in New South Wales, we've missed a lot of opportunities for life. I'd be begging begging for it at the moment, but um, unfortunately, we're well and truly uh, locked in, locked down. So uh, take the opportunity. I'm sure it'll be an awesome crowd out there. The Wallabies need that big crowd. They, they want the the lift, the momentum that the crowd brings. Uh, you've got a great stadium to enjoy as well. So make a big weekend of it. Enjoy yourselves. Yeah, and I think it just, it's another area of Australia like Suncorp, maybe more like Queensland generally where, you know, the Wallabies have now an opportunity to, to form a bit of a stronghold on teams that come there. Um, you know, it's the record score against the All Blacks at that ground. In 2019, I think we have the opportunity to get a win. I don't think it would be anywhere near what it was then, but to show this Perth crowd, this rugby community in WA that have been through a lot, a good performance, I think would do everyone a whole lot of good, particularly people stuck at home as well, watching on a Sunday. So it's a hugely important game in the context of the Wallabies season. Um, it is going to let us go into the Springboks games with a bit more confidence because if we get thrashed here, we're not going to feel great coming up against the Springboks team that's just dismantled the British and Irish lines. Um, so, yeah, I think we just need to need to go out and get a win at all costs, um, regardless of the style of rugby we play. Hopefully it is attractive and entertaining, but I think at the end of the day, people will remember if we just get a win. And if we have to kick penalty goals, go ahead and do it. Taking a leaf out of the spring box book, maybe. Um, 100%. With that one. All right, let's leave it there, boys. Uh, we will be back next week. Uh, big, big weekend. Father's Day footy. Always love to see it. Sunday afternoon footy. So make sure, as Leo said, you're tuning in or getting out there if you can. 
I would absolutely love to be heading over to Western Australia um, if, if flight restrictions were different to what they are. Um, until then, make sure you are keeping up with our socials at Running Rugby Podcast on Instagram or at Running Rugby Pod on Twitter. Um, we'll get up these team lists as well for you and let you have your vote on who you think takes the win here in the final Bledisloe and second round of rugby championship. But there's plenty more rounds, lots of double headers to come. Um, make sure you are subscribed to this podcast wherever you listen. We'll be back next week looking at round three of the rugby championship. But until then, keep on running. Run. Run.